Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Karthik Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. This week, we're going to start a new podcast series, Robert. And I want to make this clear to our listeners because it's already been the subject of much conversation. This series is not a series meant to celebrate Andrew Jackson. In fact, by calling it a conquest of Florida, by calling it, uh, by talking about the United States forcibly taking Florida away from the Spanish uh, at the time, and we're making it very clear that this was not a peaceful process, this was not an organic process, this is not the process that might be represented in, in your American history books where uh, the United States, just by virtue of natural uh, order of things and, and diplomacy, got control of Florida. That is not what happened. So we want to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the U.S.'s motivations for uh, wanting to uh, incorporate Florida into uh, the republic, which is uh, predates Andrew Jackson. We're going to talk about the uh, some topics we've touched on in previous podcasts that we're, we're going to bring back uh, in this series, including the uh, Republic of West Florida and uh, what happened in West Florida, which, by the way, uh, stretched all the way to current day Louisiana. We've had a podcast on the Florida parishes, uh, what happened uh, there and in other parts of West Florida before 1819. Uh, that they were forcibly taken by the United States uh, prior to that. We're going to speak a little bit about the Patriots' War of 1812 through 1814, which took place in East Florida, which was a attempt with the tacit approval of the United States government to uh, to take Florida from the Spanish. Uh, the United States was at war with, with uh, the United Kingdom at the time. Great Britain and Spain and, and Britain were allies. British influence in Florida is also an, an important topic that we'll uh, uh, touch on in this uh, series, uh, an important theme, as is the subject of runaway slaves. And um, we in our Albion, Florida series, which I'm, I'm not sure those of you listening to this today all listen to that, but we... We highlighted runaway slaves and the potential for freedom in Florida as a big part of the theme of that podcast series, which was about colonial Florida and how um, there was an opportunity for freedom and for a new life for African-Americans from the Carolinas and points north if they made their way to Florida during uh, the Spanish period uh, between 1687. This policy began in 1687. Uh, until uh, Britain assumed control of the colony in 1763. And then during the American Revolution, Lord Dunmore, the governor of Virginia, is very aggressive about wanting uh, uh, runaway slaves, wanting African-Americans to to flee behind the British lines. A lot of them make their way to East Florida, which had remained loyal to the crown in the American Revolution, and uh, were able to begin a new life in Florida. So uh, that's another important theme is that uh, this was a place where emancipation was possible. And for those of you who have not listened to our podcast on the Saltwater Railroad, which, by the way, predates the Underground Railroad, the the traditional Underground Railroad we talk about, uh, please listen to that because uh, Florida played an important role in freedom for uh, African-Americans that were held in bondage in that period. And, and, and same thing prior to that, as we talked about during the Spanish rule, for the, the first Spanish period. We've got a number of podcasts on that. So uh, with that, Robert, uh, walk us through a little bit about the motivations for why Spain, excuse me, why the United States wanted to take Florida so badly from Spain in this period. 
Well, you look at the first four presidencies of the United States, and you start to see a trend emerge. You have uh, George Washington, which was based solely on the concept of establishing this nation, uh, keeping neutrality in place. Then you have John Adams who comes in who sort of uh, dips his toe in the idea of going to war against France. This um, really horrific violence that is happening on the streets of Paris, um, this uh, absurd experiment in democracy run amok uh, people being violently slaughtered it, it affected so many different americans um but instead of going to war what we do is we begin to militarize we begin uh the building of what is the the u.s navy and then by the time you get to the second president thomas jefferson something really extraordinary has happened um france has calmed down they now essentially have a dictator named Napoleon and everybody is racing to build up because they're convinced that this guy is going to start gobbling them up and war is expensive and all of the heads of all of the different houses and kingdoms in Europe are looking for things that they can pawn and the first thing that they go to is selling to the United States their territories in the New World. And first on the agenda is Napoleon himself, who sells the Louisiana Purchase to Thomas Jefferson, something that many people didn't even think was constitutional. And his uh, Secretary of State, Madison, uh, is willingly okay with the purchase uh, you know they fork over a few million dollars he gets his funding and then they start making um conversations with spain because napoleon begins to attack the british the british start moving to spain and they start saying well you know spain you have this territory right over here do you want to maybe do a trade or something like that and uh, Spain is very protective of, of all of the different empires. Spain is the most protective of its holdings in America. And the main reason is because their empire, even then, even at the start of the 1800s, was beginning to crumble. And to the frustration of Jefferson, he wasn't able to annex uh, Florida. And it was very early in Jefferson's time that they really got the sense the diplomats here in the United States that um, if they wanted that territory they were probably going to have to fight for it and basically most of the, the great diplomats and uh, uh, big wigs when it comes to uh, things like uh, uh diplomacy and treaties and things of that nature um they were sort of divided on florida some really wanted it um they thought that it had a, a lot of great opportunity um maybe opening up trade to the caribbean and and uh you know other avenues uh with um the colonial empire for the british but a lot of people 
kind of just thought it was a swamp and there was a lot of different uh you know tribal um issues with uh, the seminoles that they they kind of just thought it was something like a hornet's nest um so there really wasn't the urge to get it um as there was west as there was that huge area of the louisiana purchase so it really wasn't until madison got in that he really sort of doubled down his efforts and one of the main things that he instructed his secretary of state which was uh, monroe was basically get me further west get me florida and let's uh, basically dominate the Western Hemisphere. And this was something that would eventually become uh, the guiding principle of not only the Monroe Doctorate, doctorate but uh, the next 75 years of American diplomacy. And so uh, that was when the, the real almost uh, conquest, or at least the, the germination of what became the conquest of Florida really started was right there in the the Madison Monroe part. Madison and Monroe, that period. Take us a little bit through that a little more and their uh, seeming desire to forcibly incorporate Florida into the United States. And before you start that, I should mention that uh, one thing I neglected to say at the outset was that beginning in, in the 1790s, there was a Spanish policy to attract American settlers to Florida. So a lot of these settlers came from the southern United States. It's similar to what happened in Texas uh, later. Texas was then a Mexican territory. They had just gotten their independence from Spain. That you had a lot of southerners who were vested in the plantation economy that brought their political beliefs, their ideology, and their economic system with them, the plantation economy. So you end up having an expansion of slavery in Florida at the very same time as you have runaway slaves coming to Florida seeking freedom. And Madison and Monroe were both Southerners, let's remember that, and uh, very interested in somehow incorporating Florida into the Union. Yeah, so um, as, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, West Florida went all the way up to Louisiana. And uh, for a long time, um, this part of Florida was known as the Florida Rivers or the St. John's. Um, rivers uh, of the lakes or um, the Spaniards called them the rivers of currents and uh, it's not a a very nice thing that we did Um, but uh, we knew that um, we knew that the Seminoles were very welcoming of runaway slaves Um, we knew that um, the Spaniards depended on slavery for most of its economy. Um, And so uh, we did everything that we could as a nation. Um, I don't think we felt that we were ready to take on Spain. Uh, Spain was still, you know, a, a very powerful 
uh, empire, not as powerful at that point as um, as England. Uh, you know, Madrid was very distracted. It wasn't uh, it wasn't keeping an eye on its colonies as uh, you know England was. But um, we we kind of did everything we could with that uh, dynamic to um, really under undercut them. Um, we, like you said, we flooded in um, a bunch of settlers who um, were very anti-Native American and were also very anti-runaway slave. Um, and uh, there soon became, by the 1790s and early 1800s, a military feel in that part of the country and um we were we were putting a lot of pressure a lot of diplomatic pressure to make it a territory and i think um i think spain realized um that eventually it was going to fall because um Spain had had us for for a bit, but you know Florida was kind of a revolving door. I mean, you know, Spain had it, English had it, French had it, Spain had it again. Um, it it was a, a very hard thing to keep a hold of for whatever reason, um, and uh, I, I think maybe in a in a way they probably uh, looked at the the rough natural elements of Florida um, these hurricanes that kind of come out of nowhere uh, the the fact that it was so long and took so long to travel or cut through and then you had um, you know Indian tribes that were very territorial um, doing battle with you every year and you probably kind of thought well you know maybe we should just give it over to the Americans um but uh, basically, um, Madison and Monroe, um, I, I, I think it, it would probably be safe to say that by 1813-1814, if we were not already at war with England, if the capital had not been burned, I think we would have been in a position where they would have felt comfortable going to war with Spain to conquer all of, or if not most of Florida. Um, that's how belligerent uh, our policy was starting to become. So we're going to get into this later in the series, and we actually have already done a podcast on this, but we're going to freshen it up. It was done several years ago and have more information since then and and it's important within the context of this entire series on the patriots war in 1812 which took place with the tacit approval of at the very least james monroe who was the secretary of state perhaps james madison who was the president a rebellion by americans who were from georgia who crossed into florida and tried to forcibly take east florida from the Spanish who were allies with Britain. Of course, the context of this, 
the greater context is the United States has just declared war on Britain. And so uh, Spain is a British ally. This is the pretext by which these uh, uh, these kind of rogue and I, I, I actually I don't want to call them rogues because I again, I think historically we can find evidence that there was a. Uh, at the very least, tacit approval for violating Spain's sovereignty in Florida. This happens from 1812 to 1814, and it's a naked attempt to grab Florida with plausible deniability because the United States could go to Spain and, and, and to Britain and say, hey, we're, we're, those are all just kind of these settlers who are overzealous frontier, the uh, frontier in Georgia at the time, uh, that have crossed uh, the St. Mary's River into, uh, into Georgia. But I, I should say, since the 1790s, there had been an issue with the Georgia-Florida border and the St. Mary's River and constant encroachments there, uh, going back very early in the uh, in the history of the American Republic. And also keep in mind, the South was Jeffersonian. Jefferson and Madison were predisposed towards pro-French feelings. They were they were uh, Jefferson was an outright Francophile. The French and the British, I don't want to get too deep into this. Uh, I know that there's uh, breaks in the war, but for all intents and purposes, the French Revolutionary Wars, which begin in 1791, uh, from about 1792 onward to 1815, Britain and France are almost constantly at war. Spain in this period is generally, and again, there are some exceptions depending on the coalition wars of the First Coalition, Fifth Coalition, Sixth Coalition, but generally Spain is aligned with Britain and uh, Jefferson, Madison are Francophiles. Florida is under the control of the Spanish, who, unlike the American Revolution, when they aligned with France against Britain, they are in this period a British ally. Because we, you know, I it should be it should be mentioned that I mean we're we're talking from 1785, which was before we had an actual president, to 1821. There was an almost continual border dispute between Spain and America, and the uh, you know the the northeastern Florida that was proclaimed that you mentioned in 1812 that was done so with the uh, I, I would say if if not the well the uh, well wishes. Um, or you know at least the the mild uh, approval of the government in Washington D.C. Um, it and if they if they had not been um, stopped at St. Augustine, which you know is it was then as it is now in a sense a fortress city, uh, they might very well have taken over that part of Florida. Um, that's how stretched Spain was in protecting, like we've said, a completely huge border that begins in New Orleans and goes all the way to Jacksonville. Yeah, and, and actually, um, it's not well known, but it's something I've done a lot of research into. In 1795, there was an effort by, uh, by settlers, by uh, Southern Americans, uh, slaveholders from Georgia, uh, in sympathy, supposedly in sympathy with the French Revolution, uh, to cross the St. Mary's River, come into what is now uh, uh, modern-day Nassau County, modern-day Duval County, and uh, incite trouble. So uh, 1795, we have this happen. We have it again as we're talking about in 1812. And um, 
there is a common theme also, which is Jeffersonian. Uh, the Jeffersonian ethos in the South is very pro-French. So this entire time, with the exception of a couple, we could get into the Napoleonic Wars and, and the wars of the French Revolution and, and the few periods of peace in there. But just assume from 1792 to 1815, the British and French are at war the whole time and that there are various alliances. But generally, Spain is on the side of the British. In, in this in this period, just make that assumption because it's very complicated otherwise. So from 1792 onward, Southerners, Jeffersonians, who are naturally sympathetic with France anyway and are naturally very anglophobic, Robert, are using this war, uh, this this relation, this bad relationship between Britain and France, the constant warfare there, Spain's alliance with Britain, uh, and the and the view that the United States should be aligned with with uh, uh, France, right? This starts right in that period with Citizen Genet starting up all this trouble, uh, working in, in tandem with the Jeffersonians, that Florida should be brought into the American realm as a way to weaken the British and the Spanish. And, you know, I, I think we get used to the idea here in America that, um, you know, we're, we're isolated, we're protected by two different very vast Sees that what happens in Europe doesn't affect us. And so even now in, you know, our mindset of, you know, 2023, when we think about uh, Napoleonic Wars, we think, well, you know, my goodness, what, what did that even have anything to do with us? I mean, we were so far away. But as we've been mentioning, um, no, we weren't. <laughs> they were right here. And, you know, and every single one of these empires that are destroying themselves in the old world, they all have, you know, huge, vast territories with huge armies here on our doorstep. And they're all looking and pressuring us to take a side. And so um, you, you have our governments who are to varying extents either trying to be neutral or trying to find a way to take advantage of what's going on over there but at the same time we are still a very primitive government we don't have the infrastructure we don't have the institutions really in place yet to uh, govern the will and the idealism the idealism of our people who are varied and have different allegiances and different ideas of themselves and where they fit in. And some of them, like you said, were very, very pro France, very pro uh, Napoleonic uh, new democracy before it became a, a tyrant. And some of them were still very loyal to uh, the the old world, the sort of parliamentary democracy of uh, Britain. So um, it was kind of insane at every single border in America for about 40 years because we were trying very hard to play advanced diplomacy with these empires, but at the same time, we were trying very hard not to rile up our people because we were worried um, 
you know, there, there's only ever been two democracies. There was us and there was France. And we were really worried that the masses were going to revolt the way the French did. And so there was that fear for the first 40 years um, or 30 years that that was going to happen. And what ultimately happened was you had a um, dynamic dominating figure from the people that was able to channel all of those different passions and um, ultimately succeed where a lot of our founding fathers couldn't and that was conquering the Sunshine State. We will pick up with that uh, in a future episode, Robert, with Andrew Jackson.